Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. See, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and you'll be in proximity to some other verses that uh, that we're going to cover here today. But I, I want to do something here that may be, may be fairly challenging, but I want to I go ahead and tell you what I'm trying to achieve, and that way maybe you can help me get there, okay? Um, what I, what I want to do right now is cite some of the current societal situations and things that are pressing around us as believers, yet at the same time, keep the same sense of praise and celebration and triumph that we've already had going on in this place today. Is that, does that make sense? Okay, so what I'm saying is we're going to mention a few things just to get a, a context here of where we are, but I don't want it to cause a sense of overwhelm in your heart so much so that you despair because I'm, I promise you that today's message is not a word of despair. But, you know, I get a sense in my spirit and I just, I know from experience that there is a press in the, in the current state of affairs in our lives for many of us, everything ranging from global pandemics to, to tensions in our society from various causes and sources and, you know, all of the things that we see going on around us, there, there is a press upon us, any of us who have any gravitation towards a forward momentum and trying to press ahead. Paul said, I press towards the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. Any of you that have that press, how many of you have that press in your lives? How many of you have got that press? You want to press into what God has for you. You want to press on to what God has in store because you know that God's got something in store for you because you are a child of promise. You are an heir of the kingdom, and you know that God has great things in store for you, right? So, so I'm, I'm speaking to you, but you know that anybody who has that press in them right now is feeling a resistance to that that is, is coming, being brought to bear in our lives on a number of fronts. And in as much as we're facing things corporately, globally, just as part of the human race, we also face things individually that press on our lives, that testify against the work of Christ in our lives, and that speak to us suggesting to us that we should just give up that that we shouldn't we should just relent in our pursuits of following after the things of God and pursuing that that upward call that high prize of God's calling in our lives and and I want to I want to talk to you today because Sometimes part of the trickery that goes on in our minds that leads us to this place of feeling like that we need to give in or we need to give up or we need to, we need to just, you know, kind of just give up on the idea altogether. You know, like Peter, we just want to go back to fishing. We've, we've done the disciple thing. We're just going to go fishing now. And, and so, so oftentimes the reason that we get ourselves in this rut and we feel this way, it's not only circumstantially, but it's also how we measure our situations. 
Because we always, or I have a tendency, and maybe you do as well, to, to measure the tangibles of life. To measure, like, you know, the, the, the size of your paycheck or the, the, the scope of your possessions or the condition of your relationships even. And, you know, if we haven't attained to a certain place or we don't have a certain thing then all of a sudden we feel like we're not where we need to be when all the while we may be exactly in the middle of where God has us and I want to encourage you today I'm here today as a voice of encouragement just simply I want to talk to you today about the issue of faithfulness because before you ever have before you ever do, before you ever see, God is interested most that you and I be. And he's interested that we be, that we make several things priority in our lives and that we be things that are in keeping with the character of Christ. And one of the things I believe that in this generation that God is keenly and intimately desirous for us to be is that he desires that we be faithful in this generation. That we be faithful in this season of life. And I want to speak to you today about faithfulness and it's my desire to acquaint you with a couple of scenarios here in the scripture that, and, and my prayer is that you find it applicable to your life, not just your spiritual walk. But I believe we're going to see several parallels that are here. So if you've got your spot, I told you to look with me at Acts chapter 4, but actually I want to start in Acts chapter 3. Or we can just start at Acts chapter 1 if you want to. We'll start right from the beginning. How about that? You, you've got the disciples that are here. They're standing with their resurrected Lord. And they're talking to him. And Jesus is conversing with them. And Jesus is saying to them, Hey, you're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And then they beheld. And he ascended in the heavens in a cloud. And the angels of the Lord were standing there and said, Why do you stand here gazing because this? same Jesus in the in the same manner that you've seen him taken from you is coming again just Im imagine that with me for just a minute it's it's so hard for us because we're we're here and they're back there but if you can just put yourselves in that place for just a minute I mean do you do you have like chill bumps just from the experience of it you, you just do you feel that you feel the weight of this moment. And, and they're there. And then there's Acts chapter 2 when the Lord moves in a new and powerful dynamic way with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place with one accord. And there came a sound from heaven like as a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. There was such a calamity and commotion around that outpouring of the Spirit that people who were in the city began to gather around saying, what is causing all of this? 
Peter stood up and began to preach and began to share and said this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel that your young men would dream dreams and your old men would have visions and upon my handmaidens and my men servants I would pour out my spirit says the Lord and this is the fulfillment of that prophecy and the word says that there were thousands of them that day who came to Christ And I want to contextualize this for you for just a second. Because what you've, got to, what you've got to be able to do is you've got to be able to look into the Scripture and see your life. If you're going to understand the principle, then you're going to have to be able to see your life and you're going to have to contextualize the principle to understand and to employ and to walk in victory. And what I need you to understand, I, I am closely... I can closely identify with this context because in the life of a preacher, because that's the context here, in the life of a preacher, there's nothing better than a Holy Ghost prayer meeting that turns into a revival service where thousands of people are attentively listening to the Word as it's being spoken and it pierces their heart and there is the immediate revelation of fruit of lives that are being committed to Jesus Christ. That is, that is like, it gets better. But wait, there's more. We turn over to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They, as they're approaching the temple, there's a lame man who's there by the gate. And he's been set there by that gate all of his life to beg alms of those that pass by. Peter and John... Man, they're seeing miracles happen. Miracles on miracles on miracles are just transpiring all around them. Just victory everywhere, all over the place. And it, I mean, they couldn't have scripted this any better. And, and here they're walking in. There's this lame man sitting there by the gate. And, and fixing his eyes on Peter and John, he asked alms of them. And Peter looks at him being full of the Holy Spirit and says, silver and gold, I don't have any, but such as I have give I you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the lame man rose up. And not only did he walk, but they went running and leaping and praising God through the temple courts. Now, because of this, because of the manifestation of God's power, we find next that there's a crowd assembled who is now giving ear to a Peter who is standing on Solomon's portico and he is again preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thousands, we look, flash into Acts chapter 4, and it says that some 5,000 people there, men, just the men who were there, were saved that day as well. I mean, revival is all over the place. And, you know, what I, what I want to say to you today is like, if, if I were to get up tomorrow as a pastor, a prophet, evangelist, if I were to get up tomorrow and script my life, it would look like Acts chapters 1 through 3. To the word, to the letter, to the T, it would look exactly like that. 
I'm telling you, if I were to script Sunday morning, when you came in here at 9.05, it would have been too bad because every seat in the house would have been filled. There would have been thousands at this altar today who were giving their hearts and lives to Jesus. There would be young people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, sick folks being healed, blind eyes receiving sight, lame walking again, deaf hearing. It would all be going down right here because it would be scripted exactly the way I would want it to be. So let me, let me just contextualize here. Everybody's gathered around Peter and John. They're cheering them on. If there's ever been a preacher who would paint a portrait of their preferred scenario, it would look exactly like this moment, I'm telling you. But this is a transferable principle, and this is why I said you've got to be able to contextualize what's going on to your own lives so that you can understand and apply the principles to your own situation. See, see this is the equivalent of high commission scenarios if you're a salesperson like every day you've just got people stacked and you've got plenty of inventory and you're selling and and just like the the commissions are racking up and racking up and you're saying man i love this this is this is my life i can't believe i get to have this life this is the equivalent of parenting with children who love school they excel in their grades, in all of their classes. They always do exactly what they're told without argument. And they always complete their chores. Hallelujah. Now, don't all of you shout at one time. This, this, is the, this is the equivalent of beachfront strolls and candlelit dinners every day of the week with your spouse. This is how you would have scripted life to be. This is the equivalent of getting up, going to work every day and receiving the employee of the month award and everybody loving you and everybody being happy with you. My point in that is that it's easy to be faithful when everything's going the way that you think it should. It's real easy to be faithful when everything is turning out the way that you had desired that it would. When your little family looks like you thought your little family would look. When your children behave the way that you think your children are supposed to behave. When things on your job site are going the way that you think things on your job site should go. It's easy. It's easy to get up in the morning and, you know, the birds are singing, the sun is shining. There's a, you know, we just get up every morning. Look what the Lord has done. You know. And we're just fired up and we're passionate about life. Do you know this? Um, faithfulness and selfishness can closely resemble each other in certain favorable scenarios. I mean, it's the same principle of it's easy to love people who love you back. When, when love is reciprocal, love is easy to give. But it's not quite as easy to love people who are acting unlovable towards you. 
but it doesn't negate your call to love. And it's easy to be faithful to things that you enjoy, and it's easy to be faithful to things that seemingly are benefiting you in some way, but what do you do when things aren't going your way? And I don't know if any of you have had any experiences in the last little bit where things weren't just going your way. But what do you do when your children aren't behaving? When, when your spouse isn't acting right, when your job isn't always easy? I'm talking to some folks right now who are looking at a life that has been ravaged by the effects of a global pandemic. You're facing new stresses that you've never encountered before and you don't know what you're going to do. I, I'm, I'm speaking to someone today, perhaps maybe a couple. Maybe I'm speaking to a couple today for whom the honeymoon era has come to a close and real life is before you to be lived and it's not the fantasy that you had once imagined. What are you, you going to do? You've read the Word. You know the will of God. But everything around you maybe right now is testifying against it. What are you going to do? Well, I want to point you to the example here in Scripture because as much as I love Acts chapters 1 through 3, I feel like we're living in a season that's more like Acts chapter 4. Because the transition between Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 represents a sharp contrast in experience. Because in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John go from revival in the courtyard to being scrutinized in the courthouse. They, they've been experiencing all these things and everybody's been saying, oh, there's a man of God. There's a prophet. There's somebody that's got it all together. And now all of a sudden, because they have been pursuant of the high call of God in their lives, now they've been called into a court to give an answer, to be scrutinized. And this is a side note, but something that may help you better understand whatever you're facing today. Understand this, that always what's going on in your life and what is happening in your life are not always the same thing. What's going on is not always what's happening. What's happening here is that these men are being asked to provide an answer as to what authority they have exercised in healing this lame man. But what's going on is that these folks don't care about Peter or John or the lame man. They're just worried to death that they're con losing control of a population that up to now they've been able to manipulate under the control of twisting the righteous laws of God into something that God never intended that they be. And I just offer that to you today to say to you that, you know, if you're ever looking on at something and saying, man, these people seem to be really behaving irrationally and I can't figure out why they're treating me the way they're treating me and I don't know what I've done to receive that, understand this, that what's happening is not always what's going on. Don't be discouraged. And don't allow what's happening to keep you from being who God has called you to be. Okay? So... 
they begin to question Peter and John, and Peter replies to their query, but it's, there's, a, there's a very important note of clarification that's given here in verse 8, and it says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said, rulers and people of the elders of Israel. Now, we're going to return to this point in a bit, but Peter at this point in the narrative has been a preaching machine. You understand this? He, he's, we've covered it already. He preached on the day of Pentecost. He preached on Solomon's portico, Acts chapter 3, after healing the lame man. And beginning verse 9 here in his reply to the elders and the scribes and the high priest is one of the most powerful explanations of the sufficiency of Christ Jesus alone for the salvation of the lost. And he says, let it be known to all of you and to all of Israel that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given under heaven among men by which you must be saved. But the name of Jesus. You see, what has happened here is that Peter has understood his call. And his call is to preach the gospel. His call is to preach the gospel. How does he understand the call? Because one day walking on the shoreline with the resurrected Christ, Jesus looked him squarely in the face and three times said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. And, and, and Peter knows here that he's been called to feed the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the bread of life. And he's doing that consistently over and over and over. It doesn't matter if it's on the day of Pentecost when everybody's gathered around with great intrigue as to what's going on. It doesn't matter if it's on Solomon's portico because they've just seen a lame man healed or if it's standing in the spot of judgment. Peter said, Christ has called me to feed these sheep and I'm going to feed these sheep whether they like it or whether they don't I'm going to be true and I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do Acts 4 so powerful are the words and the boldness both of Peter and John that it was evidence to their accusers that they had been with Jesus. As a matter of fact, the, the Luke here records and says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. We got to back all the way up to verse 8 where it says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. You will never walk in faithfulness in this generation in the weight of societal demands and things that are pressing on your lives apart from the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And inseparable are the two. The power of the Holy Spirit and time spent in the presence of Jesus. They're inseparable. 
You, you cannot have the one without the other. You have to, spending time with Jesus is prerequisite to the filling and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is necessity for you to be faithful in whatever your context of life. Too often times we compartmentalize between the sacred and the secular. We have our church life and we have our work life. We have our spiritual lives and we have our natural lives. But I want to tell you something. There are, there are no such designations really in the kingdom of God nor should there be in the life of his children you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and that should be your primary identity regardless of the context of your life in the good times you're a child of God in the bad times, you're a child of God. In your home, you're a child of God. In your workplace, you're a child of God. You are Christ's ambassador wherever you go and wherever he has placed you. You need to be faithful to the call to be Christ's ambassador. That doesn't mean you've got to run around with your Bible tucked up under your arm all day long trying to work and you can't get your job done because there's a Bible under your arm. You, it doesn't mean that you're standing around the water cooler preaching the gospel all day when somebody's paying you to do something else but it does mean that you're faithful to the call of God and the character of Christ in your life and you don't give up and you don't quit and you don't back down from any challenge that's before you you stay faithful regardless of the circumstance now verse 19 Peter and John expressed their resolve to this question. There's, I'm telling you, this is rich. You, you've got to go back. This is what my Acts chapter 4 looks like. If you can't see that, it's a lot of red ink in there, not because there are any words from Christ, but because there is so much stuff in there that when I start reading, i got to highlight that and underline it and draw circles and boxes around it because it's so good, and you need to, you need to go back and read the whole thing. But beginning in verse 19, Peter and John expressed their resolve to this question. And he says this, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and the things we have heard. Now, the basis of what Peter and John are saying here is this. Listen, we're going to be faithful. You, you behave as you see the need to behave, but we are going to operate in faithfulness to God's call and God's purpose in our lives. That's what we're going to do. I, I realize that this might be problematic for you, but I'm going to be faithful. I realize that this may be unnerving to you, but we're going to be faithful. I recognize the, the fear that this is causing you for me to be authentic to God's call and purpose for my life, but we are going to be faithful. You may not, we may not be your favorite people but we are going to be faithful you may treat us poorly but we are going to be faithful and here's the reply of the critics 
They realize they can't do anything more with uh, Peter and John here. So it says when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them. This is noise. Noise. We, I, I know the council knew that there was no realistic way of punishing them, so they made some noise. Can I tell you that the adversary comes into your life with noise? The, the word says that he goes about as a roaring lion. That's, that's a similitude. It's something like something else, but it's not really what it is. I, I, could, I could show you some things that are as other things. You know, some of, some of you, maybe you have, you have some of those purses that you bought on a sidewalk in New York City for $35, and they look as. <laughs> but that ain't really what it is. <laughs> I, I had a Rolex one time, <laughs> kinda. <laughs> but your adversary goes around as a roaring lion. What's that? He's he's in the similitude of a viable threat. That's what it means. That that he would devour, but he's seeking. If you ever notice that, then it's seeking whom he may devour because it's not just every blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled child of God that he's able to come up and consume. It's the one that's going to buy into the noise. It's the one that's going to bow down to the racket that he's going to be able to overwhelm and overcome. But if you'll stand up in the face of adversity and say whether it's right for me to listen to all your noise or listen to God's word over my life, I don't know. You can decide that but I'm gonna follow what God has said about me and who God has identified me to be and I'm gonna be faithful to that hmm and then so what do Peter and John do here they they leave from the magistrates the scribes the Pharisees and they go to a prayer meeting you know, prayer. They didn't phone three friends. They didn't get on their social media accounts and let the world know how hard life had become for them. They went to prayer. They, they went to prayer. And they began to pray. And I, I'm telling you, this is such a powerful prayer and again we don't have time to cover it all please please go back and read this it's amazing what peter and john prayed for but maybe more amazing is what they didn't pray for because they're here in prayer and and the posture i love the posture and the the attitude of this prayer because what they did not pray is is now lord you see the need and, and God, I, I just I ask you to just take this away. 
neutralize the threat, remove the obstacle, lift the burden, heal the malady. No, they, they didn't pray any of that. And there's nothing wrong with praying that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But, but sometimes we, we, we default to that prayer as a posture of defeat. That somehow or another, if God doesn't do that, then there's no victory to be yielded in the situation. But I want to tell you something. Even though God may not deliver you from the fire, he can deliver you in the fire. Even though he may not lift the burden, he'll give you the strength to carry it. Even though he may not move the mountain, he'll give you the anointing to climb. And they didn't pray any of that, but this is, this is what they prayed. I love it. I love it. I love it. He says, for truly against your servant, your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with all the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Here it comes. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. In other words, God, look at these misbehaving children, but grant your servants that with all boldness I can be the parent that you've called me to be. God, look on this commodity workplace situation that I'm in. But God, grant your servant that with all boldness, I can be the ambassador of the kingdom that you've called me to be. God, look at all the difficulty of my life, but grant your servant that with all boldness, I can get up tomorrow morning and my feet hit the floor to greet a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost, to be able to live the life that you have given me with authority and power. Look on their threats and grant your servant that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. God, you don't ever have to fix it for me, but if you'll just give me strength to be faithful to who and what you've called me to be so that you'll be glorified in my life. See, the, the important thing in my life and the important thing in your life is this. It's not that we be made comfortable and that it always be easy. But that we are faithful and we're available to being and doing everything that God has desired for you and me. In the face of their threats, Lord, help us be faithful is the prayer. Fill us with boldness. Let your power flow through us. It would have been so easy for the apostles to say, you know, I don't understand why I'm being treated this way. I don't, I don't understand why others are acting that way. I don't, I'll be able to be faithful when other people get their stuff together and support me. When my kids start acting better, I'll be a more responsible parent. When my spouse starts behaving better, I'll be a nicer spouse. When, when things at my job aren't so difficult, I'll be a better employee, so on and so forth. You've got to contextualize this, but it's there. Look, our call, children of God, is to faithfulness. It's to faithfulness, to being authentically who God has created us to be and show forth the character of Christ in every situation when we're preaching to the masses on the portico or when we're standing in the seat of judgment.
to manifest and exhibit the power of God. Listen, and when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word with boldness. Again, contextualize. Listen, when you get on your face before God and say, God, I don't understand everything that's going on around me right now, and I'm going to entrust it to your hand. But what I'm looking to you for is strength for today, strength for the climb, strength to move forward. That's what I'm looking for from you today, and I know you're going to provide it, and you're going to enable me to be everything that you've... You never promised me it was going to be easy, but you did promise that you would never leave or forsake me. You never told me there wasn't going to be a problem, but you did tell me that you were going to give me your spirit to guide me through it and to help me with it. And Lord, I'm looking to you, and I'm telling you that this is a constant theme here, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Apostle Paul has a resolve in his life that we see in his later writings and several times he, he mentions it. Number one, he, he writes to the Roman church and says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared when we think about the glory that's going to be revealed in us. But I, I want to I just share this with you in closing today and I pray that this is your prayer for life and I pray that this is the the ending word about your life that, that when you get to the end of life you're able to look back and you're able to recount these words of Paul as found as he's writing to his young protege Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 4 the, the time of Paul's life is coming to a close here on this earth and he's writing to his young protege and he says listen Timothy for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering the time of my departure is at hand. But I've fought the good fight. And I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. More than this generation needs healing, from any of its maladies it needs the authentic representation of the character and the life of Christ as found in his people and my prayer for you today is that in all of the difficulties of life that are represented in this in this present context of living is that you're faithful whatever that whatever whatever is weighing on you right now that needs it if, if it's your relationship and the relationships in your home I pray that you're faithful if it's your service to Christ I pray that you're you have the anointing to be faithful if it's your ministry 
I pray that you not be so focused on peripherals that you lose sight of the main thing and that you're faithful. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.